Morning, everybody. Thank you. It is so great. I'm so excited to be live from Cedar Creek Church on the Ridge. And uh, yeah, so excited as we are celebrating 10 years of unbelievable ministry in and through this campus. You know, earlier this year, we celebrated the uh, 10th birthday of our West Campus. And so over the last several months, I've been spending a lot of time just thinking about and looking back over this multi-site journey we've been on as a church. And as I look back over this last decade and I think about all the things that we've been through, the challenges, the difficulties, all the victories, all the things we've seen in this last 10 years, I think the thing that amazes me most is all of the God things I see looking back. All of the amazing things that God has done on all of our campuses and especially here on the Ridge. You know, 13 years ago, a handful of families from the communities up here on the Ridge started attending our Banks Mill campus on the south side of Aiken. Of course, that was the only campus of Cedar Creek Church back then. And in spite of that 30-plus mile drive that they had to make every Sunday just to attend church, they began to connect. They began to serve at Cedar Creek Church. And as God began to capture their heart, for the mission and vision of Cedar Creek Church, he also placed a burden on their heart for the unchurched families and individuals in these communities. People who would not drive 35 miles to go to church, would not get up that much earlier to make that drive. And they, they shared that burden with the leadership of Cedar Creek Church about opening a campus up here and we began to pray about it and knew God was in it and so we started doing what you do to start a campus. You know, to start a campus you need two things. One, you need a core group of people which we already had there at Banks Mill that were making that drive but then you need a place to meet. And so we started looking around up here in all of these communities trying to find a place that would meet those needs where we could begin to temporarily meet and it's so interesting because no matter how much we prayed, it seemed like all of the places that were perfect for us to meet were not available. And all the places that were available just wouldn't work for what we needed. And it's like, Lord, we know you want us to move in that direction. Why aren't you answering our prayers? And we discovered what maybe you've discovered in your life. Is that sometimes when God doesn't answer your prayers, the answer is not no, it's not yet. That he wants you to wait because he has something bigger and better than you even knew to pray for. And that was the case. In fact, one day I'm just sitting in my office and out of the blue the phone rings. And it is a pastor from up here in this community. And he begins to tell me the story of an amazing group of people who 10 years prior to this phone call had felt a same burden for the people in this community and they had started a church, Grace Community of Church and they had worked hard, they had sacrificed, they had given over and above their tithes and offerings, they had uh, purchased 10 acres of land and they had built with their own hands a worship center and children's ministry area but now God was leading them to take a next step. The unbelievable step of letting go 
of all they had done for the kingdom to give it to the kingdom of God. And one of the most humble, generous acts I have ever been witness to. They gave this very land and this very building I am in this morning for the kingdom of God, for the ministry of Cedar Creek Church through our Ridge Campus. Now that, people, that is a God thing. And, you know, standing up here this morning, being here this morning, I've seen the faces of of some of those core families that made that 35-mile drive to be a part of Cedar Creek Church. I've seen the faces of some of the people who were a part of Grace Community Church. And you know what it reminded me? That those of us who call Cedar Creek Church home, we literally stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. We are enjoying the fruits of trees we did not have to plant. And it's amazing what God has done through their sacrifice, through their kingdom mindset. Not only have hundreds of families, many of you this morning, have been touched by this ministry, have had God use it in amazing ways ways to bring hope and healing to you and to your family. But through this ministry over the last 10 years, 66 people have given their life to Christ and professed that publicly through baptism. That is an amazing number. Yeah, you can celebrate that. Do you know the average church in the United States baptizes less than two people a year? And the average here at this campus is nearly seven people a year. That is a God thing. That is a kingdom thing. And see, the truth is we are all part, whether you've been here for 10 years or today is your first day, we're all part of the kingdom of God. And we all have a role to play in that kingdom. And while it's a great thing to look back and thank God for his faithfulness and the sacrifice of those who came before us, never forget the kingdom of God is always moving forward. Our king is always calling us to the next thing that he wants to do in and through us. And so what I want to do this morning is kind of wrap up this kingdom series by taking a personal look at how to build a kingdom life. What does being a part of the kingdom mean in our individual lives? I want to look at four things Every one of us can do in our individual lives if we are really serious about following this command of Jesus from Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. It's there on your program. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. How do I do that? Let me make four suggestions. Number one, if you're going to build a kingdom life, the first thing you got to do is make God the foundation of your life. You got to make God the foundation of your life. Because the foundation always determines the size and the strength of a building, right? You can't build any wider or any stronger or any taller than the foundation will allow. Well, that's not just true in the building world, it's true in our lives as well. If you build your life on a weak and wimpy foundation, You will have a weak and wimpy life. Oh, you may be able to build a facade. 
You may be able to impress people for a while, but if your foundation is not solid, it's all going to fall apart. That's why Jesus told that story about the two men who both built houses. One built on the sand and one built on the rock. And everything was fine until the storm hit. And when the winds and the waves beat against those houses, the house that was built on a weak foundation collapsed. The house that was built on a strong foundation, it was weathered, it was beaten, and it was broken on the outside, but it was still standing when the sun came up. Look, I don't know what storm you may be facing right now. I don't know what storm you may face in the future. I don't know what call you may get in the middle of the night, but I do know this. If God is your foundation, you can weather any storm. So let me just ask you, what is the foundation of your life? What are you building your life on? If, if I were to ask you, hey, tell me what the foundation of your life is. Could you answer that question? Do you really know? I think the truth is most of us build our lives by default. We just kind of go with the flow. We focus on whatever the culture says is most important. Or, or we focus a lot of us based on the season of life we're in. Right? You know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, it's all about getting a job and finding the right person to spend the rest of your life with. And then when you're in your 40s and 50s, it's all about the career and moving up. It's, it's all about the kids and, and what's best for them. And then when you get older, it's all about the bank account and making sure you got enough in your 401k to out live you. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But let me just tell you, if you build your life on a career, that career is going to change. You build your life on your kids, let me tell you, kids eventually move out and have lives of their own. You build your life on your bank account, and I'm going to tell you, the economy can change just like that. The only thing that doesn't change is God. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's why I notice what the Bible says, Proverbs 24, 3. And I love this in the Amplified Version. It says, through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. I want you to circle the word wisdom. And I want you to circle the word understanding. What does that mean? It means you got to be intentional. you got to think about it. Don't just go with the flow. Because building a foundation, building your life on a foundation of God requires focusing on that over time. I remember 15, 16 years ago now when we started building the big box worship center out at Banks Mill, that big huge building. I remember we were so excited as a church when we finally started construction and the crew started showing up. I remember I'd drive into work to my office every morning and there'd be trucks and vans and 40, 50, sometimes 100 workers out there and they'd be working and then at the end of the day when I was leaving the office all the workers would be gone and I kept looking at the building site and I'm like, what are they doing all day? I don't see anything happening. There's, there's nothing going on. These guys are working 8, 10 hours a day and nothing to show for their work. Well, what they were doing is working on the foundation. 
They were spending time working underground where nobody could see it. Because when you're going to build a building that is nearly 50,000 square feet, you got to have a good foundation. But let me tell you something. Once they completed that foundation, it's like the rest of the building went up overnight. And it's that way in our lives. I think many of us as Christ followers, we want to accomplish something big for the kingdom, but we're not just willing, we're not willing to put in the work it takes. We're not willing to, to dig in day after day with our daily time in the Word. We're not willing to, to keep praying even when there's no answer. We're not willing to be faithful in the little things. We're not willing to make the sacrifices and give up what we have to give up to build that strong foundation that God can use for His kingdom. Let me tell you something. The size of your kingdom life, the size of your impact on the kingdom will be directly proportional to the level of your focus on your relationship with God multiplied by the length of time you're willing to consistently build on it. If you really want to build a kingdom life, you got to start with the right foundation. And then number two, the second thing you have to do is you got to remember what matters most. Remember what matters most. And what matters most in the kingdom of God is love. The Bible says that God created you to love you. And his desire is that you love him back. That is your purpose in life, to love God. And you best express that in your love towards others. How do I know that? How do I know that love's the most important thing? Because Jesus said it was. One day Jesus was asked, what is the most important thing in the kingdom of God? And his answer, love. It's all about love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love's the most important thing. We know that. I think the reason we often forget that is because the world doesn't reward love. Right? You're never going to see an awards ceremony in Hollywood or New York giving out award for the most loving, compassionate, others-serving person, right? Because the world doesn't reward that. The world re rewards appearance, and so we run after looking good. The world rewards achievement and accomplishment and accumulation, and so we run after trying to have all the goods. The, the world rewards the temporary circumstances of life, so we spend all our time and energy trying to feel good in the moment. But let me tell you, you are created for so much more than just looking good, feeling good, and having the goods. And if you keep running after those things, you will miss what matters most. Look at what the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 5, 6. He says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Circle that phrase, only thing. Paul says that's the only, that is a strong statement, but it's true. Because let me tell you, one day we will all stand before God, and he will not ask us how successful we were in our career. He will not ask us how much money we had in the bank account. He will not ask us to pull out all our trophies and awards and accomplishments. He will ask us how we loved. How did we do with the thing he put us here to do? You know, many of us are familiar with the 
13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. The, the love chapter, right? We read it in wedding ceremonies. We, we read it at Valentine's Day. But have you ever really thought about what Paul is saying in that passage? Because it's not just a song about love. It is a declaration of the importance of love. Paul said, I can be the greatest, most eloquent speaker on the planet, but if I don't have love, it's just a bunch of noise. I can be the smartest, most intelligent person. I can figure out problems and solve mysteries, but without love, it's a waste of time. I can accomplish all kinds of great things in my life, but without love, I'm a loser. I can give everything I have to the poor, but if I don't have love, it will have zero impact and while most of us if not all of us would say we agree that love is most important the truth is we don't always act accordingly because see when life gets busy we quickly start skimming over our relationships when people get messy and they're hard to be around or when circumstances get difficult and we're in pain we isolate from others and when we do that We disconnect from the kingdom of God. So let me just ask you, where are you struggling to love? Or maybe I should say, who are you struggling to love this morning? Maybe a family member. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's one of your kids. Or maybe it's one of those people that your kids married, an in-law or an outlaw. Maybe it's the people you have to work with. Maybe it's even some of the people that you go to church with. Or that you are in home group with. Listen. The most important thing is love. Your greatest kingdom investment with your life will be seen in the way you love. And then number three. The the third thing we have to do to build a kingdom life is you got to gather the right companions. To gather the right companions. You got to associate with the right people. You got to join the pack of the people who are going the way you want to go. What's that old cliche? It's hard to soar with the eagles when you're walking with the turkeys, right? And it's true, right? But listen, please hear me. I'm not talking about gathering up in our holy huddles. Keeping out all the bad, nasty people of the world. I'm not, I'm not talking about me, my four, no more, shut the door. I'm talking about the people that you are spending the majority of your time with. Or maybe I should say it this way. The people that you are allowing to influence your life. Because if you spend time with people who are pulling away from God, they will pull you away from God. But if you spend time with people who are pushing towards God, they will push you towards God. Let me tell you something. If you have friends who are not pushing you towards significance in the kingdom of God, they are not your friends. Right? They're not your friends. Look what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Friends don't let friends settle for mediocrity in life. Friends love you enough to hold you accountable. True friends love you enough to push you where you need to be pushed. To challenge you where you need to be 
challenge. See, it's not just avoiding the wrong people. You got to connect with the right people. Look at Proverbs 2.20. It says, so follow the steps of the good and stay on the paths of the righteous. What does that mean? That means the more you walk with people who are going in the right direction, the more often you'll find yourself in the right place. So where do you find people like that? The church. The family of God. Not that the church is full of perfect people, right? Thank the Lord or they'd throw me out tomorrow, right? It's not about people who got it all together and telling other people what's wrong with their lives. It's about people just linking arms and stumbling together towards Jesus day after day. That's why connecting in authentic community is crucial to living a kingdom life. Because we really are better together. That's not just a slogan we put on t-shirts. It is a reality of kingdom life. It affects every area of our lives. You can change anything in your life for about 90 days with your own willpower. For about 90 days you can change something just doing it yourself. But if you want lasting change, you need to do it with others, right? I mean, think about working out, working out in the gym. Do you have a better chance of being consistent and successful over the long haul just doing it yourself or having the accountability of a partner and an encouragement of the partner or take recovery, right? If you're trying to recover from a hurt habit or hang up, you can try to do it on your own. But your chances of success are astronomically greater when you walk with others. It doesn't matter what you're talking about in life. Whether you're talking about studying the Bible or serving out in the community, we do it better together. So think about your friends. Now, I know we don't get to control our family, but you do get to pick your friends. Who are those people you're spending the majority of time with? Who are those people who have the greatest influence in your life? Those people, are they going the way you want to go? Are they living the type of life that you want to live? Are they kingdom people? Because if you want to build a kingdom life, you got to connect with kingdom people. And then finally, number four. The fourth thing we have to do to build a kingdom life, and this may be the most important one of all, and that is to commit to a purpose greater than yourself. If you want to build a kingdom life, you've got to commit to a purpose greater than yourself. Why? Because that is the heart of the kingdom of God, that it is not about me. The kingdom of God is about God's presence, God's power, and God's purpose is not me and see the more I can take my eyes off of myself the more I can start to see what God is doing all around me in his kingdom notice what Jesus says in in the gospel of Matthew Jesus is talking to his followers about the difference between his kingdom and the world's kingdom he's talking about the difference between those who choose to follow him 
and those who try to follow the ways of the world. He said in, in the world, in the kingdom of this world, it's all about look out for number one. It's all about getting ahead of everybody else. And then look at what Jesus says, verse 26. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? What does he say? Servant. What do servants do? They get their eyes off of themselves and they focus on something or someone greater than themselves. Here's the truth. There are no great people in this world. There are no great people. There are only ordinary people who are willing to make a great commitment to a cause greater than themselves. Nobody is born naturally great. There are just some people who choose to make a great commitment to a cause bigger than themselves. Mother Teresa, right? A four foot nine Romanian nun from nowhere. But she committed her life to a purpose greater than herself, serving the sick and the poor in India. And now she's one of the most influential people on the planet. Martin Luther King Jr., just a, a Baptist pastor from Atlanta. But he committed his life to a cause greater than himself, the civil rights movement. Billy Graham, just the son of a backwoods dairy farmer in Charlotte, North Carolina. But he committed himself to sharing the gospel of the hope of Jesus with the entire world. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things for his glory, not ours. So people see it and say, that is a God thing. And that's what we've seen at our church, not just for the last 10 years on this campus, but for the last 26, almost 27 years now. Cedar Creek Church is a purpose-driven church. What does that mean? It means our focus as a church is always on the five purposes of the New Testament church. To reach and connect with those around us. To grow together in our faith as we serve each other and others and honor God with our lives. Reach, connect, grow, serve, honor. Those are the five purposes. Where did those come from? Did we make those up? No, they come from the two most important statements that I think Jesus ever made. The great commission and the great commandment. The great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the most important thing. The Great Commission. Go, reach out, baptize in my name. Teach people to grow spiritually, to be a part of the kingdom of God. That's a mark of a great church. The mark of a great church is not how big it is or how many campuses it opens. The mark of a great church is it's filled with ordinary people who are willing to make a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment. And the reason we're able to celebrate today all that God has done not only here at the Ridge but all across our church is not because of great pastors. It's not because of great music. It's not because of great plans. It's not even because our chairs are full of great people. It's because ordinary people who came before us were willing to make an extraordinary commitment of their lives to something greater than themselves. 
What are you giving your life to? What is the evidence in your life of what is most important to you? Are you committed to something bigger than yourself? Are you committed to this cause known as the kingdom of God? Because that's what it takes to live a kingdom life. You know, those of us who call Cedar Creek Church home, I want to ask you a question. It's a question I've been wrestling with for the last several weeks. It's not an easy question to wrestle with. It shines some light into the darker corners of my life and, and my desires. And the question is this. If everyone who called Cedar Creek Church home was as committed as the, to the mission and vision of this church as you are, if everyone gave the way you gave, if everyone served the way you serve, if everyone reached out, if everyone attended the way you attend, if everybody connected an authentic community the way that you connected, what would this church look like in 10 years? It's a tough question, isn't it? And I know because I'm the pastor of the church, it seems self-serving for me to ask that or to challenge you in that area. But I promise you, it has less to do with where the church is in 10 years and more to do with where you are in 10 years. Because I love you. I want your life to matter. And so I want to close with these words of Jesus from Mark 8. Because they sum up what I think I'm trying to say. Jesus says, if you, you try to hang on to your life, you make it about you, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the kingdom, for something bigger than yourself, for the sake of the good news... You will save it. And that is the desire of my life. And that's the desire I have for every one of us who call Cedar Creek Church home. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, I thank you this morning for the great heart of celebration that we have as a church. Celebrating your faithfulness. Celebrating the sacrifices of those who came before us. Remembering those whose commitment gave us broad shoulders to stand on and to reach higher and further than we could ever imagine. But this morning, Lord, I I pray that we are challenged in our celebration to live and give our lives in a way that will give those who come after us something to celebrate. Not for our glory Not to say that we're great or how wonderful the people of Cedar Creek Church are, but so that the whole world will say, what a mighty God. What a faithful God. Oh, Lord, move among your people this morning at all of our campuses. Let us take this challenge and not just leave here going, wow, that was a good message, but let us take this challenge to heart and change the way we live our lives. That's why we have gathered, Lord, to honor you and to be transformed by your presence, your love, your calling, and your purposes on every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.